Message from Starfleet Command, top priority. You are listening to the Trek Ranks Podcast, a member of the Tricorder Transmissions Podcast Network. This is episode 117, featuring the top five epic comebacks. Welcome, Star Trek fans. I am Jim Morehouse. I'm the host of the Trek Ranks podcast. And tonight, our show is all about comebacks. And we're not talking about snappy one-liners or retorts. This one is all about triumphant returns or a resurgence of some kind. It's our top five epic comebacks. And there are a lot of big returns in Trek. And we'll talk about all this a little bit in our diagnostic cycle in a minute. But first, let's introduce our panel for tonight's show. Two guests making their own comebacks to Trek ranks, making her fifth Trek ranks appearance. It's one half of the first flight podcast team. It's Melanie. Welcome back, Melanie. Thank you so much. It's always a joy to be here on Trek ranks. I am fired up to have you back on for this one. And our second guest is contacting us via subspace from the Australia expanse. Again, his fourth Trek ranks appearance from the beta quadrant. It's Jamie McGregor. <laughs> G'day, Jim. G'day, Melanie. Great to be with you to talk Trek once again. Can't wait. I love it. Appreciate you coming to us from your temporal vortex in the future. And in lockdown, too. <laughs> and in lockdown. Back in lockdown. Oh, oh great. Oh, God. Uh, sorry to hear that. All right. No, but uh, Trek ranks homework. What better way to spend lockdown, hey? Perfect. Yes. Perfect. Okay. Going to be a great show. Let's get started with our Trek ranks recalibration. What are you recalibrating? Everything. Um... It's, it's a sweeping, uh, a recalibration of all systems. As regular listeners will know, right now, general order number one of the Trek ranks charters that we love Trek. We love to rank Trek via some deep dive topics just to get the conversation started. And it's remember, it's not about the ranks. That's just our excuse to talk about Star Trek. And as our good friend, the Vulcan Master, likes to remind us each week, the main driver for all of our discussion here at the Trek ranks podcast is... Infinite diversity. In infinite combinations. No wrong answers, not about being right or definitive in any way. It's about sharing the things we love about Trek, and we love it all, from TOS to TNG, straight through to Enterprise and the Kelvin timeline, and now Discovery, Short Trek, Star Trek Picard, Lower Treks, soon to be Star Trek Prodigy. It's all fair game here on the Trek Ranks Podcast. Black Alert. Black Alert. And a reminder that this episode of Trek Ranks is current through 801 episodes of Star Trek, which currently translates to the third season of Star Trek Discovery. And one final reminder that we use episodes as a shorthand term, but the 13 films are always in play as well. Definitely some comeback scene in the films. Have boosted power to the communications bandwidth. Thank you, Mr. Kim. And you can find Trek Ranks on subspace at trekranks.com. And you can contact me directly on Twitter at trekranks or at Enterprise Extra. You can also call and leave us a message with your own picks at 609-512-LLAP. That's 609-512-5527. Okay, Melody and Jamie, let everybody know how they can get a hold of you guys these days on subspace. Melody. You can reach me on Twitter at First Flight Pod, which is the Enterprise Rewatch podcast that I co-host with Abby Summer right here on Tricorder Transmissions. First Flight Pod, we love it. And Jamie, how about you these days? Also on Twitter, uh, you can grab a hold of me at uh, jmac underscore ref. Okay, we're going to jump into our level one diagnostic to get into the show. Run a level one diagnostic series. Come. 
Okay, so I touched on it a little bit already. This shows about epic comebacks, which is defined, a comeback is defined as a return by a well-known person to the activity in which they have formerly been successful. Definitely a lot of ways you can play with that in Star Trek. A lot of great comebacks, which it's kind of weird. They can all be defined by like R words, resurgence, a return, a recovery, a rally. Uh, I find that revival, rebound, there's like every R word is, is a comeback. So uh, just want to make that clear because we're not doing witty retorts or one-liners or snappy comebacks. That's something we might try to do down the road, but I haven't really figured <laughs> out a way to do that one yet. And one more thing. One of the reasons we're doing this topic right now is we're lining this one up with our Lower Deck Season 2 uh, debut that's coming up here in mid-August 2021. And because what's going to happen in Season 2 is going to be an epic comeback when Boimler finds his way back to the Serena. So we know there's going to be an epic comeback in Lower Deck Season 2 with uh, with Boimler. So I figured that would be a good impetus for this topic right now. Okay, let's get into our Prime Directives. I'm dying to hear how you guys broke down your list. But what you're proposing is exactly the kind of tampering the Prime Directive prohibits. Okay, Melanie, let's start with you. How did you do your Prime Directive? This one's this one's a fun one. Yeah. You know, usually I give myself a wide berth with broad categories to kind of give myself a chance to consider all the possibilities because there's so many good choices, <laughs> which in this case would be, you know, reappearances, personal comebacks, redemption stories, like like you just said. But this time, I decided to fine-tune it and make it more specific. I decided to go with the reappearances only, like showing up showing up after being away for a while type thing. And my other restriction was for this prime directive is no family relatives, only the person themselves. So I'm doing reappearances. Okay, I like that. I want to see how that family thing plays into it. That's similar to me. Uh, Jamie, how about you? How did you break it down? Well, I uh, I think the last time I was on Trek Ranks, I uh, prime directed myself into an oblivion. So I thought, <laughs> why not just do that again? So I, I thought about this, and there's a bunch of different ways you can think about an epic comeback. So you know, it could be a a, a character comeback to power, or greatness, or villainy, or something like that. As as Melanie has it, the comeback of a character who was thought kind of dead or missing or gone away. Um, the comeback of a beloved actor or character to Trek is something yep. I thought about as well. Yep. Or um, the comeback to the franchise of a previously used story element, you know, kind of a race, a planet, a plot device or something like that. And then I thought also, what about an actual, you know, kind of meta real world franchise comeback? Because Trek has gone away and come back in so many different forms. Mm. Uh, you know, I thought, well, there's there's some comebacks there. And in the end, that was five different ways to think about it. So I went, stuff it. I'll pick one for each. So that's the way I've gone about it. This oh, time. I love it. I love it. Okay, so this is great because this is similar to me. I, I started thinking about comeback versus I, I, what I immediately eliminated was return. So just returning wasn't quite enough. It had to be a comeback and defining that by you had to kind of be in an accelerated position of respect or status and then lose that. And then and kind of regain it. So something like regain as opposed to just coming, just being just returning from from a storyline or something. But then I started thinking about it the way you did too, Jamie, with some meta thought processes of not just character driven, maybe outside of track, maybe inside, but but not all just hey about a specific character. So I definitely crossed 
paths there. And I and I tried to make all mine just a little bit different too, and and different in terms of timelines. So some of mine are comebacks that happen inside one episode, and some are comebacks that happen across multiple seasons. So I have a very a, a big variety in my picks too. So there's a re- lot a lot re- of ways to look at this. Regardless, it has to be epic though. Doesn't matter whether it's True. a return or a comeback <laughs> or whatever. It's going to be epic, right? And it has to be epic. Absolutely, all of mine are definitely epic. I I love this, and we're I have to think even regardless of our prime directives, there has to be some duplicates tonight there, but in the same vein, there's so many big ones that are kind of hard to ignore, but there's also so many that it could easily be that none of us pick one. So it's going to be, it's going to be really interesting. This is going to be a fun, fun topic. All right, let's do it. First cadet Catan introduce us to the new order of things. It'll be alphas like us that determine the future of this quadrant. That will be the new order of things. Thank you, First Cadet Katana. As always, a quick reminder on how we're going to go through the order of things. First, our panel will tease their pick with a five-word summary and a hashtag, and then we'll each reveal our five, our top five epic comebacks with a specific episode that they're associating that uh, comeback with and why we're highlighting it. And at the end, we'll each relay a few secondary system selections for the picks that just missed our list and as always if you have any duplicate picks make sure you listen for the defiant torpedoes i am definitely firing the torpedoes tonight i it's impossible not to all right melanie we're gonna start with you what's your number five pick for your top five epic comebacks okay number five tesca's back chewing the scenery hashtag The Dictates of Poetics. This is Voyager, Season 3, Episode 25, Worst Case Scenario. Fantastic. As prominent as it gets. Maybe this one isn't totally epic, but I just had to include it because this is one of my all-time favorite Voyager episodes, and she's one of my favorite characters for sure. So it was really a wonderful surprise to see her back in action. And it shows how clever she is to have found this program and anticipated this situation where even after death, she figures out how to continue to be (laughs) mischievous and wreak havoc by anticipating this and setting this trap. What are we doing in the brig? I have no idea. We haven't given the computer instructions to create a location yet. Hello, Tuvok. I've been expecting you. If you can see me, you've obviously reopened the narrative parameters file of the tactical scenario you've been working on. How do you know that? You're a hologram. That's right. A holographic representation of Seska, one of the Maquis shipmates you betrayed. I would have thought all that time you spent spying on us might have given you a little more insight into the Maquis. But after looking over what you've already written, I can see you need a little help. So I've created this representation of myself to guide you through the rest of the program. There is no more program. There is now. Martha Hackett is so awesome in the role, and she brings this you know, great energy and personality to the character. And she does this consistently with all her appearances, but I thought this episode was super clever and really well-crafted, and she's definitely the highlight with her return. And while I know we're talking about Seska's return here, I do have to mention, though, that this has one of my favorite Voyager quotes, which is the, with all due respect, Mr. Tuvok, loosen up. Yeah, right. And also the mess hall scene with Tuvok and Tom, I love. But 
Seska's return is my comeback here. Yeah, no doubt. And this one is hugely epic. So epic that they have basically in Shattered, she does it again, and it's just as epic. So she is the queen of epic comebacks. And I love Seska. I love Martha Hackett. One of this is like top five episode on Voyager Trek rank. So for me, a no brainer and definitely was one of my toughest cuts. Uh, Jamie, how about you on Seska? This would have to be one of the top five holodeck goes wrong uh, episodes <laughs> in, in Trek. That too. Uh, yeah. What a great pick. Um, and, you know, one of the things to love about Seska is. You know, uh, early seasons of Voyager didn't really have the opportunity to have a regular antagonist so much. You know, we kind of had the Kazon initially and eventually it became the Borg. But uh, to have Seska as kind of like a uh, a running uh, a running antagonist, but then have her come back uh, at, a, at a point a couple of seasons later, it was such a, a, an inspired choice and, uh, and a great pick for what is, as you say, Jim, a top episode of, of Voyager, right? Yeah, and so unexpected when she came back. It, it's This is one of those ones where it's fun to put yourself back into it and remember that just have, what a big surprise it was first time you saw this. So I love it. Awesome pick. All right, Jamie, how about you? What's your number five pick? Okay, so for this one, I'm, I've gone with the comeback of a story element, uh, you know, planet, plot device, something like that. And given this is uh, a bit of a promo into Lower Deck Season 2, uh, that's where I'll start. So my five words are, they're not a joke anymore. Hashtag, oh. we are strong. It is the epic comeback of the Packleds in <laughs> Lower Decks Season 1 finale, No Small Parts. Okay, that's incredible. And that's not just a story element. That's the They're actually coming back. I mean, that is the Packleds. That's amazing. They I love Coming them. back to Trek. Now we saw him quite a bit on the the, the DS9 promenade over the years, but they were <laughs> last seen as the true. primary antagonists in what Samaritan Snare 1989. Yep. So this is a return after 31 years. Uh, they are still slow, but not stupid. Um, kind of the Borg on a high calorie diet, and so the perfect villains for Mike McMahon to bring back. And I challenge anyone to tell me that this is not epic because they. You know, they destroy the Solvang outright, dismember the the Cerritos, and uh, you know it takes Riker to to fend them off. So, um, uh, yeah, a, a, a hugely fun episode. The the only thing that came to mind about this was uh, it was recently Independence Day in the US, July four, and I was just thinking about the that you know the blockbuster Independence Day, and I think here Rutherford is so playing Jeff Goldblum, Shax is totally Will Smith, <laughs> and Badgie is nothing if not an Apple PowerBook 5300 uh, five, infecting the aliens with the virus. Uh, I think probably a Windows virus giving, uh, given Badgie's genesis from Clippy. But at any rate, uh, that sort of came to my mind as to how this played out. That's good. Um, I, I absolutely love this episode. It is a brilliant season closer. So, um, yeah, can't wait for season two, right? I like that connection. This is a fantastic, brilliant, smart pick. And... I mean, the Packlids, they they were a joke, right, in that episode, but they were also menacing. Like when they were when they phasered Jordy out of nowhere, and I mean it was there was like a real menace to them, even though the whole thing was still kind of a joke. And it definitely became a joke once the episode was in the rearview mirror. So Mike McMahon bringing them back and putting them into his quote unquote comedy Star Trek and making them so so, I mean, menacing is the, the best word I can come up with. They are an absolute threat. It's such a legit villain and enemy. 
and I love No Small Parts. I love how they were portrayed. Oh, and, Brilliant. And it, it also has my, um, I think, my second favorite joke in the whole of Lower Decks, uh, <laughs> the bit at the beginning where Captain Dayton says, uh, hey, who peeled the film right. off this weapons panel? Uh, I was like, geez, I, I reckon a bunch of nerds are feeling seen in that joke. So I good. certainly was. So uh, anyway, I love <laughs> so that. So good. And don't don't ask us to rank our, our top five Lower Decks jokes. Impossible. Uh, Melanie, what is your take <laughs> on this awesome pick? Oh, yeah, this is such a cool pick. I mean, Lower Decks blows me away. It's so fantastic. And the way that they weave in the Star Trek love, the Easter eggs, the characters, the people from the franchise, like the Paplets, like you said, it's just so well done and awesome. So I think this is a great pick. Walking all hands to escape pods. Prepare to abandon ship. Wait, incoming ship? It's the Titan! party and I wasn't invited? It's about time you showed up, Will. Mariner, this makes us even. You know Riker? Yeah, who do you think hooks me up with all my contraband? Dude is flush with Romulan ale and... I'm sorry, what was that? Uh, we're still in red alert. Target those ships and fire. We're talking about this later. All right, a great start and I'm going to close out round five. This could be a duplicate down the road. Who, who knows? Definitely one of the first ones I thought of. Five words and a hashtag. An epic Klingon finally introduced hashtag, and now he only has one eye. It is Martok being actually coming back, even though it's from his disappearance as a as a changeling in in Purgatory Shadow in Deep Space Nine. Ah. I love Martok, and when he died, when you know, listen, he was introduced. He appeared in three episodes. He but turns out he was a changeling. He dies. And you're kind of thinking you're never going to see him again. And then when they stumble in, when they're put into this Jemadar prison camp and all of a sudden Martok shows up for me, I just love this moment. I love Martok's one of my all time favorite Klingons and for across a season and a half for Martok to make this kind of comeback and be in this huge kind of twist of no longer a changeling, now a real person. And then he goes on from here to have one of the, you know, um, epic arcs, which we, we did epic arcs uh, on Deep Space Nine across the last two seasons. I love Martok. I'm a huge fan. Uh, I love the thought of him being there with a Navarin Tain for a couple of years uh, working. So, so Martok for me, epic comeback when, when he is revealed to be on the, at the Jemadar prison camp in, in Purgatory Shadow. Melanie, what's your take on Martok? Oh, yeah. This is an awesome pick. I am also a huge Martok fan. And just the way they wove that in with this arc in Deep Space Nine with the Gem Hadar, with the camp, with an Auburn Taint, everything you just said, I just love it. Totally epic. And he is so such a commanding presence. I just love the way the actor portrayed him. And Martok is a huge part of this story arc so yeah i'm loving it yeah full, I'm loving it. full credit to jg hertzler and i count this as yep. a comeback because he's introduced as a character so you know he exists and he's a he's a person and so we need so even though we hadn't technically seen him before we just saw his changeling uh duplicate jamie what's your take on martok what a great i i never thought of this uh <laughs> and it's so true it's such a great it's such a great comeback for the character uh now 
on on the other hand, Julian Bashir's return is not epic <laughs> no. because it just leaves everyone going, "Hang on, who's been doing surgery I, on Ben Cisco this whole time? Who's been um, and who so, who who gave uh, who uh, helped Kira give birth to O'Brien and Keiko's baby? Oh, it was a change. Yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> so this is this is certainly the more epic of the two returns uh, because Martok is nothing if not an epic character and. They do so much with him for the rest of the series. So it was such a great, you know, and they could not have known what they were going to do with him for the rest of the series when they made the decision to bring him back. So, uh, you know, it turned out to be an absolutely inspired choice and a a great comeback. Yeah, it's a a really great testament to how they weave stories in when they had the, the Klingons come in on season four and then kind of intertwine it with all the Dominion War stuff. I love it. Okay, round four. Melanie, what's your number four pick? Okay. Beloved engineer guzzles green liquid. Hashtag no bloody A, B, C, or D. This is TNG. Season six, episode four, Relics. Oh, man, what a great pick. I did not think of this, but it's a comeback. It's a huge comeback. (laughs) Even though there are parts of this episode that make me sad and frustrate me, I still (laughs) had to pick it because I love Scotty so much. I'm a huge fan, and it was so fantastic to be able to see him again. And it's a testament to his abilities as a miracle worker that he was, you know, able to put himself in that pattern buffer, which was not only very clever on his part, but also clever on the writers as an ingenious and believable way to bring him back. It made perfect sense to me. You know, like I said, I don't care for some of the way he was treated in this story, but I do absolutely adore the scene with Picard on the holodeck. Between the amazing recreation of the 1701 bridge, Scotty gazing over at the engineer station, sigh, his incredible conversation with Picard, just absolutely brilliant and unbelievably heartbreaking. I would choose this just for this scene alone. Also, the themes of growing older and memories really resonates with me. And then the escape from the Dyson sphere, which he thinks up and figures out is awesome. I'm glad that he left at the end of the episode with a renewed sense of purpose. And it was just so great to see him again. So that's my pick. All right. It's a fantastic pick. I did not think of Scotty as an epic comeback. My favorite thing about this episode is the setup for how Scotty saved himself for 80 years inside a transporter beam, transporter buffer. That is so classically Scotty. I just I, I love that it's not time travel. It's totally it's just a smart engineering fix. And when he comes out, the first thing he thinks of is uh, buddy uh, Franklin. Franklin, yes, poor old Franklin didn't quite didn't make it. Didn't so he and Scotty's not happy that uh, he was the only one to make it through. I, I fantastic, fantastic pick, Jamie. What's your take? Well, Melanie, what a perfect summation of the different themes and you know the highlights and the and the lowlights of that particular episode and you know there's there's a lot going on and some of it makes us uncomfortable and that's not necessarily a bad thing i think to to go back and look at some episodes mm-hmm. where you kind of go hmm i'm not i'm not 100 sure i'm comfortable with that uh and you know uh, even our heroic characters make you know poor decisions at times thank you geordie you know be, be nice to your elders uh, Come on, Joydy, you're better than that, mate. You're better than that. But in in general, one one of the things that kind of gets overlooked, I think, because of what DS9 did with Trials and Tribulations is, 
you know that that beautiful scene where he where he arrives on the on the bridge is it's it's very well done for for TV. I mean, what year was this? This was in what? Um, this is like uh, 92, 91. So for what would have been very early nineties, this is this is pretty impressive uh, work, and it's such a crucial part of the continuing. Uh, building of the fabric of of Star Trek. I had the great joy, Jim, to have me on um, uh, top crossovers, yep. and uh, this one did not get picked because of Geordie's behavior. But uh, it is. <laughs> but I'm glad we can include it now. So, uh, relics, what a great pick! I love it, and we. I'm not going to go there. I was going to slam Geordie again, <laughs> but I'm just going to let it go. So, I'm uh, I'm glad it made this episode too. That's uh, it, it's an awesome, awesome pick, Melanie. Great job. Okay. Jamie, what is your number four pick? Okay, I'm moving on to a real-world meta franchise-level comeback. Uh, so my five words are silver screen switch is wise. Hashtag 2.39 to 1 is utterly epic. And it's the comeback of Star Trek itself. Yes. Off the TV, on into the cinema with the motion picture in 1979. It had been a half decade between the end of the animated series in 74 to I think about December 79, which is the longest period anyone in the world has ever been without new track since it very first aired. Um, <laughs> and I, I think there were, I think there was a lot of false starts and behind the scenes crap going on in the background, but I, I imagine in 19, you know, in the mid seventies, like fans were pretty oblivious to all of that behind the scenes stuff happening at the time. So when it made a comeback, it was, Truly, truly epic. Possibly a bit too epic, given the visual effects uh, <laughs> leading to its uh, somewhat unfair nickname of the slow motion picture. But, uh, you know, uh, at Trek Profiles will be angry with me if I talk more about that. Um, I would be lying if I hadn't seen uh, the YouTube video of the guy who's done like a 10-minute cut of the film, which is actually quite funny. Oh, my God. Uh, I have not seen that. <laughs> you have not seen no, that? It's actually quite it's quite good. But awesome. so much to love in this. Uh, it. It starts with the classic Trek trope of, you know, we're the only ship in the quadrant. Uh, and then, you know, it finishes with the twist that humanity's past actions have nearly resulted in our destruction. Holy unintended consequences, Batman. Vija is the Voyager 6 probe, so you know, cool. that, that kind of thing, which is such a, a great, like, twist. The refit designs, the monochromatic minimalist space aesthetic which i kind of really dig some people don't like it but it's but i think it's just it's beautiful and different for the the uh the star trek universe uh and uh i can't mention the motion picture without saying that uh elias theme uh is i think the most beautiful melody in all of trek uh scoring anyway that's just my personal feeling on that uh and i Picked this partly because just this week they announced they're doing a 4K restoration of the director's cut for Blu-ray and Paramount+. Plus. So uh, this film is still having comebacks 41 years <laughs> later. So there you go. Blue. I love it. Okay, this is an awesome pick because it is an epic comeback for Star Trek. I saw this movie in the theaters when I was 10 years old. I loved it. I still love it. I've never called it the motionless picture. I love the, the pacing. I love everything about it. I love the director's edition. Ilya's theme was in my top five themes when we did uh, that for Trek ranks. And uh, yeah, this, you summarized it well. This is a fantastic pick. It was, it was huge when this was coming back. It's like, wow, Star Trek's coming back after watching it on, on syndication, you know, as a kid for six, seven, eight years. So just super, super cool. I love it. Melody, what's your take? 
Yeah, I agree completely. <laughs> Jamie, this is awesome. How epic is this for Star Trek to, to go to the big screen and for the future of the whole franchise? This is huge. I also saw it in the theaters as well. And I have to say, the more I watch this movie, the more I fall in love with it. Yes. It's just great. And this is this is a huge milestone for the franchise. So awesome pick. I love it. Fantastic. All right, let's close out round four. We still don't have any duplicates. I'm loving this. What if we didn't have any? I can't <laughs> believe it. There must be one. All right, so my round four pick, I'm very confident this is not going to be a duplicate. This is a pick for me, an in-episode comeback. So it's very tight. It's about the story and an, and a comeback inside the episode. And I just love it. And I thought about it when this topic came up. Somehow it just popped into my head and I said, I'm going to pick that. Five words and a hashtag, Data's epic optical burst patterns, hashtag, Palm Beacons for the win. It is Data coming back from the dead in the game from TNG. Yes. And listen, this has never been one of my favorite episodes. It's a Brandon Braggus script. He's my favorite Trek scribe. Not one of my favorite episodes, but it has two great things going for it. One, obviously, is Robin Leffler. So, of course. <laughs> and two... <laughs> I love this ending for me. It was a really surprise ending. It was brilliantly filmed. It was super cool the way they staged it. It's the, you know, they finally grab Wesley. They're going to force the game on, on, on him. And out of nowhere, the lights go down. Data comes in, in the shadows and he's flashing that cool palm beacon with like, just the, I love the sound effect. And the flashing lights in everybody's faces, and then everybody all of a sudden is okay. And he's like, "Yeah, I, you know, I set the optical burst patterns to <laughs> to free everybody from the influence of the game." And I love Brad Spider in it. I just think it's a really cool cool moment in uh, in an interesting in a you know not one of my favorite episodes. Computer, resume normal illumination. Mr. Ward, you will find a small alien ship off the starboard bow. Please secure it with a tractor beam and raise our shields. I, I love the way they filmed that <laughs> epic comeback ending data out of nowhere from his severed positronic brain connectors. Uh, Melanie, what's your take on this one? You know, I have to say, Jim. You've you've motivated me here because I haven't seen this episode in so long that I don't have a lot of insights to bring, but you have inspired me. It is time for a rewatch. Go. I need to see Data's comeback. It's it's been a while. Go rewatch. But sounds super cool. Yeah, it's a it's a great ending with uh Data's surprise comeback. Uh how about you, Jamie? I will react to the both of us, Melanie, uh, because this is definitely a guilty pleasure episode for me. I, I I actually do like the game. Um, I, I don't know what that says about me as a person, but uh, I actually enjoy this episode a lot. Um, you know, first and foremost, let's get out of the road. What is not to like about Ashley Judd? Uh, let's uh, just park park that and move on. Uh, the second thing I'd want to say is, hey, uh, who who was watching this? Ah, so the last Trek ranks I was on was was B- Badmirals, yep. and I was and I I made a comment saying that at the time 
the drum head might have seemed a bit heavy-handed, but in retrospect, it was it was a light touch. <laughs> Can I say the same thing about this episode? Looking uh. at a bunch of people staring into a device and just going, you know, nuts. You know, who would have believed that in 1991 that that would ever be true? Mm. Um, and we, you know, f- flash forward to, uh, you know, 40 years, 30 years later, and um, that's all people do. We yeah. sit there staring into devices. My goodness, it's it's like the the, the Google Glass. Basically, I think uh, they copied the design of this, whatever this uh, thing is. Yeah. You know, the little thing that yeah. stick on your head. Yeah. Um, it, it's kind of it, it was a, it was a little bit disturbingly prescient. So uh, anyway, uh, and I'm fairly sure that the devices we are currently using are driving us as insane as they did in uh, in the game so yes. uh, we need we need data uh, to uh, basically walk into society with his uh, flashlight and deprogram the hell out of all of us right about now, right? We need data's optical pattern verse. And yes, that is it. Our devices today are just as hypnotic. Great point. Eat your soup, courtesy of a loyal establishment, Jolan Troop. All right, let's go to the soup round. Melanie, what's your number three pick? Soup round. Glorious return of Dahar Masters. Oh. Hashtag Day oh, of Vengeance. Yes. This is Deep Space Nine, Season 2, Episode 19, Blood Oath. How did I not think of this one? This, <laughs> this is so <laughs> epic. <laughs> As some people know, I am a huge original series fan. I grew up with it in the early 70s watching. So these Klingon characters are really special to me. And to see them come back together after so many years in this amazing story was just so awesome. It was great to see their different personalities shining through and both the humor and the pathos were both so spectacular. And again, like Relics, there's this exploration of themes of growing older and exploring the themes of the Klingon ways, old and new. And of course, their connection with Jadzia was really great watching her grapple with the idea of killing and fulfilling her oath. The scenes with Kira and Cisco were awesome. And then her helping the Klingons realize that this could be a victory and not a suicide plan. And then, of course, that fantastic ending where Kang gets his death blow, but gets to spare Jadzia from having to do it. They're just really beloved characters, and I thought this was a great story. Altogether, super heartwarming, nostalgic, poignant, and very powerful. I love it. Three, and three comebacks in one. A brilliant pick. I didn't think of this one either. Amazing. All time. I mean, this episode comes up a lot on Trek Ranch, and it's that good. And I love your breakdown of Kang getting his his death blow in and dying and glorious death and saving saving Jetsy at the time. And Kang still has one more comeback after this, too. And uh in uh, Voyager's flashback, unexpectedly. So a fantastic pick. Jamie, what's your take on Blood Oath? Beautifully described. One of DS9's best episodes. Uh, I mean, I I just look at it and go, it was such a bold writing choice to Mm -hmm. say, Mm. you know, Jadzia Dax? Yeah, no, she's going to go with a bunch of old Klingons and go and murder someone. And, uh, you know, that's that's who Dax is, you know? that's We're going to lean into... The characterization of her as a as a friend to Klingons through Curzon and and uh, and in in such a way to be able to you know very much like the previous pick to be able to have that uh, close connection and tie in with classic Trek, uh, you know just genius. Uh, so a fantastic pick and 
you know, given how Wagnerian Blood Oath is, I don't think you can get anything more epic. So I think we've peaked kind of with epicness in 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 the soup round, right? I love it. And I love your shout out to Baljadzia. That's the kind of character choice that DS9 got away with because the powers that be weren't paying as close attention as they were to TNG and Voyager. There's no doubt in my mind that that one fits that category. I mean, literally, that's like, hey, we have this nice beloved character oh she's gonna go on a murder journey i mean she's literally gonna go just murder somebody for basically no reason really cool not no reason you know what i mean okay jamie a but very good reason Jamie. Yeah, very, very good reason right that yes. damn albino uh <laughs> jamie what's your number three pick i'm loving this still no duplicates okay i'm now switching to the comeback of a beloved actor to trek returning okay. um and uh, given this is the eat your soup courtesy of a loyal establishment round, I'm going formula. <laughs> so my five words are excellent tea. Good day, ladies. Hashtag abrogating Armus aftermath. And it is the epic comeback of Denise Crosby to Trek as the scheming Romulanista sailor uh, in the TNG season four finale redemption part one. Uh, I'm picking Redemption Part 1 because although her voice was in, this is the first time we see her walk out of the shadows in the big cliffhanger for the end of the season. And to my mind, there's nothing more epic than that. Trek is saying, hey, everyone, Denise Crosby's back as a Romulan. Now go enjoy your summer. We'll see you in September. (laughs) So I can only imagine how many you know, theory videos on YouTube, her appearances would have spawned in 1991 if YouTube oh, existed. It, it was such a, like, clever piece of writing, ingenuity to get her back into the franchise. We should not discount Jean-Luc Picard yet. He is human. And humans have a way of showing up when you least expect them. I kind of hope with the Romulan flavor of Picard that we perhaps see her again. It doesn't look like they're going that direction for season two, but in my headcanon, she's totally behind all of Commodore O's machinations. So anyway, Redemption, a great episode anyway. Uh, I I think we've got a double comeback here because this episode, of course, also features the comeback of Worf to having his honor restored and then... In, oh, in that's part a good two, one. rejoining, yeah. yeah, and in part two, rejoining back the the ship again. So, look, there's lots of comeback comebacks to go around in that in this episode. But I wanted to feature Denise Crosby because she has remained such a loved part of the franchise. You know, yep. through the Trekkies films and convention appearances, and fairly reliably getting drunk on stage on the Star Trek cruise each year. So, look, I think she's awesome, and her comeback was was epic. So. There you go, Redemption hey, Part 1. Fantastic pick. I like your Worf shout-out because Redemption is literally one of the definitions for, for comeback. And Redemption is my all-time favorite TNG episode. So I love this pick. I did not think of it because Sela wasn't really coming back, but your Denise Crosby angle is legit absolutely coming back to Trek in a huge way. It was so surprising. I just remember being floored when uh, she was revealed at the end of Redemption. I love it. Spectacular. Melanie, what's your take on Denise Crosby and Redemption? Oh, most definitely. This is fantastic, Jamie. I mean, there was a real wow factor here, you know, shock factor of of Sela and just everything about the storyline. I mean, this is such a great episode also. I'm digging it. This is great. I love it. I do too. All right. So my pick to close out the round is not a character. Five words and a hashtag. 
epic prequel sequel obliterates Tholians. Hashtag NCC1764. It is in a mirror darkly, and it is the epic comeback of the Defiant, the USS Defiant. <laughs> and I, I, th- I thought of this one early on. I, it's the most amazing thing to me. I love the narrative that they that they pulled off here with it's a with the defiant in this comeback at the end of in a mirror darkly it's a constitution class ship from the 23rd century when it it was uh put out of commission when it was in interphasic space in the tholian web it just disappears it just fades away never to be seen again until 37 years later here we are in it's in a mirror darkly in a, a standalone mirror universe episode one of my favorite twists in trek history it's just an epic comeback with archer beaming on board this ship when they figure out that there's this advanced starship being worked on by the tholians and they have it from another universe and they have a chance to uh to steal it and and uh, create the Terran Empire. The whole I, I love that this episode is literally a sequel to the Tholian web, but a prequel to Mirror Mirror. Just absolutely genius. I love it. And then and then when they get on board, the their NX01's getting getting beat to hell and it get blows up. And so part two just takes place on the USS Defiant. I love it. I love it so much. I just can't put it into words. Mike Sussman wrote this one. It's one of my all-time favorites. Melanie, what's your take on this one? Wow. Um, this, well, the whole two-parter is just so brilliant. And I love the way they did it as a standalone with the opening and closing credits. And the return of the Defiant, just genius. Tying in the Tholians, the Defiant, the Constitution class, and then having all the characters and Archer chewing the scenery and the way they wove it in. I mean, you can tell Mike Sussman's love of TOS here. Just brilliant. I I love that comeback of that ship. It's uh, one of my favorites. Jamie, what's your take? Great pick. and isn't it interesting to see how our, our lists are going, bringing back TOS elements? We, you know, we've got Scotty, we've got the Klingons, now we've oh, got the Defiant. That's Tholians. great, yeah. These, uh, these, these comebacks, are, uh, we, we're, we're knocking over both franchise-level comebacks as well as, as individual returns. So great episode, classic. Uh, the, the decision to go and do a Mirror episode, a Mirror Universe episode was such a great one for the series at that time. And, uh, you know, they did a great job and the, you know, the designs lovingly just leaning into that time period and the set design and all yes. that kind of stuff. Yes. It is exactly what so many fans uh, wanted to see and got to see. And, uh, you know, just a great job all around by the by the production team, the writers the and the and the cast and crew. Right. I mean, they make it look so futuristic, even though it's the original 66 era designs, just absolutely phenomenal okay let's go to round two i love that we don't have any duplicates yet this is fantastic (laughs) all right melanie what's your number two okay for my number two and number one i am going to start venturing into obvious territory but it had to be done Mm -hmm. number two this guy defines epic comeback hashtag still old friend (laughs) this is the movie star trek 2 the wrath of khan I love it. 
I'm really not sure what more I can say that hasn't been said already about this magnificent character and story, but wow, his return is phenomenal. First of all, let me just say Ricardo Montalban in the role he was born to play, just nailing it. What an incredible character. And he was had such a commanding presence in Spacey that it was really smart of the writers to bring him back. That was a great choice. From his, you know, tension-filled reappearance scene on SETI Alpha with the group, you know, interacting with Terrell and Chekhov, the writing, the acting, the the delivery of the lines, the vengeance. He's just so commanding. And then as the story progresses, he just has one fantastic quote after another. I mean, we could list them all. The cat and mouse game, the dramatic tension, the stakes are just so high. I'm a big fan of this movie and his character, so I had I had to pick Khan. I love it. Of course, The Wrath of Khan, as epic a comeback as it gets, and there's no way this one wasn't going to get picked. Uh, Jamie, what's your take? So glad I didn't pick this because I was like, oh, <laughs> Wrath of Khan, do I go there? Do I not go there? I mean, what, what can you say about, you know, arguably the greatest uh, Trek movie of all time, right? Well, what I can say is that... It's 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 thought of being the greatest for a reason, and that is, um, you know, you don't get anything, you don't get any better than Ricardo Montalban and William Shatner on the silver screen, uh, going going at each other, and the fact that it has given us a, you know, at conventions around the world, a Khan screaming competition uh, that will live on, I hope, for you know, decades and decades to come. Uh, tells you everything you need to know about uh, this this great film. I'm 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 glad I didn't pick it. So, that, but I'm also glad that it got mentioned. Uh, so, um, yep. yeah, thank you, Melanie, for playing that part and picking the obvious because otherwise I would have let the team down. Thank you, Melanie. I and just shout out to Nicholas Meyer and the Harp Bennett and the figuring out the the idea to bring back Khan and, and have. You know, a con comeback from Space Seed is just one of the key decisions to Trek's longevity these, uh, with the Wrath of Khan being so well received. I love it. Okay, Jamie, what's your number two pick? All right. So I'm now moving into Melanie's territory with an in-universe comeback of a character thought dead or missing. So um, my five words go out to the English majors out there. Cruel only to be kind. Hashtag even Thanos slaughtered randomly. And it is the epic comeback after 20 years of presumed death of Kodos the Executioner from the original <laughs> series episode, The Conscience of the King. Oh, this so, is this is a deep cut. I love it. This is the man whose theories of eugenics killed half the population of Tarsus Four and I believe that there is a discovery novel, uh, Extreme Measures, that goes into this, but I, I yeah. haven't read it. But I, you know, rewatching the episode, I was like, you know what, I'm go- I'm going to have to get that book uh, and 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 read up on it. Uh, okay, there are a couple of things, a little little bit like um, Melanie's pick with relics. There's a couple of things to look past: the old 1960s weed killer and the drink, and uh, <laughs> the very much 35 year old Kirk, cold bloodily seducing the very much 19 year old Lenore. <laughs> And Thank you. Uh, her her line about uh, Kirk surging and throbbing is a little too much for me, even in retros- retrospect. But uh, this was Ron Moore's favorite TOS episode, and I can 
really see why it was Kirk tortured by his dual needs for both revenge and kind of due process. Uh, you've got Spock secretly monitoring Kirk's actions. You've got these crackling scenes, one where Kirk, Spock and McCoy all have this big argument and there's a tension-filled scene between Kirk and Kodos, which is just great. You've got Uhura singing Beyond Antares. Uh, it's, it's, look, it's, it's a great episode, I think. Um, it was a bit talky for, for Trek uh, and they... I read somewhere that they it rated so badly they actually removed it from circulation because it didn't because it was kind of it didn't have enough monsters in it or whatever. They were wrong. It's a great episode. Uh, features an epic comeback of a ruthless and only kind of semi remorseful villain who gets his just desserts in the end being killed by his own daughter. So anyway, there you go. I think it's pretty epic. Uh, Kodos the executioner. He's semi remorseful, but he's so. I don't know. Not empathetic. He's so semi-not remorseful. That's the problem. <laughs> he's, but he's so eloquent the way he talks about it. Anyway, the original Thanos. I love this. Kodos, the executioner, a comeback. I never thought of this one. I love that it's uh, – I love the way you framed comeback uh, to get into this pick. It's an awesome, awesome episode. It's not Weed Killer. It is Bleach. And <laughs> Melanie, what is your take on Kodos the Executioner? This is a great deep cut pick, and that was a fantastic analysis, Jamie. I love this episode, and actually, over time, I enjoy it even more and more. It's really deep, it's really layered, and we have Caesar of the Stars. <laughs> there's there's a lot going on here with Kodos. This is heavy duty, and um, I think this yeah. is a great pick. I'm the same. And by the way, Lenore killed a bunch of people. I'm pretty sure she was seducing Kirk. Just putting it out there. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> good, good point. I had. To, I mean, honestly, I I didn't think of that. But yeah. she's a she is uh, not a good person. Okay, here we go. My round two pick: five words and a hashtag. Remember. The search is epic. Hashtag Jim. Your name is Jim. It's Star Trek three in the search for Spock. And it's the epic return of Spock. There's no way I was not going to have this on my list. I thought it might be number one, but I have a different number one. Listen, this is as good as it gets in terms of comebacks. It's uh, it's defining for Star Trek. It's I don't know. I don't even know what else to say. It's the, one thing I love about the search for Spock and this return is is how much time they spend with just the ceremony of it all. There's like 10 to 12 minutes here at the end. They would never make a movie like this today. We're at the end of this movie. It's just like all this pomp and circumstance of Vulcan. And I love it dearly. I can't, I can't get enough of it. But I'm thinking, man, if you're not a huge Star Trek fan, you got to just be going, what is going on with all these sweeping shots and and mumbo jumbo? <laughs> and I just think it's beautiful. I love it. Um, and it kind of carries, obviously, this pick carries over into Star Trek Four as well with him kind of re rediscovering himself and his friendships with, uh, with Kirk and Spock. But uh, the all-time epic comeback in the history of Star Trek is definitely Spock from... And from the Genesis planet, Melanie, what's your take on this one? Well, I think we might have to get those torpedoes ready <laughs> because this is my number one pick. Okay. So, uh, I had a feeling it might be after you said you're going into the office territory. All right. So we're at, we're in our round one now, Melanie, what is your, uh, what's your five words and hashtag for, uh, for search for spot? Kirk risks all for friendship. 
Hashtag your name is Jim. <laughs> I love it. Um, I'm glad you chose this. I am a huge, huge fan of this movie. It's definitely has a big place in my heart. So anytime I get to talk about Search for Spock, woohoo! I love it with all my heart. You know, losing Spock was so devastating. He's such an iconic character and so loved. So having him brought back was, you know, amazing, important, and necessary. And yeah. everything in this movie that leads up to his resurrection or whatever you want to call it, which also plants the seeds for his journey in the next film as well, like you said, was spectacular. We have, you know, the Kirk and Sarek mind meld. We have McCoy channeling Spock. We have the bar scene, stealing the Enterprise. Young Spock on the Genesis planet, destruction of the Enterprise. The poignant scene between McCoy and the unconscious Spock. The incredible fall to our ceremony, which you said does go on for quite <laughs> some time. But I like the pacing of that. I, I like when too. they're all standing there with their eyes closed. Yep. It's super cool. It's awesome. So, yeah, Spock is number one for me. And I and I love Spock. Of course. A a fantastic pick. I, I listen, I love that scene, too. But when you rewatch it, it's it's like, oh, my God, they would never make a movie like that today. <laughs> it's just impossible. True. With, I mean, if you don't know Star Trek, you would literally just be going, what am I watching? Uh, Jamie, what is your take on the search for Spock? A fantastic top pick here. I don't know how your statistics that you keep is going, but we are going original series heavy uh, on this episode <laughs> of Trek Ranks, which is yes, awesome we are. To, to follow two up with three. Star Trek two, now Star Trek three. Um, one of the things that you said once on a on one of these episodes, uh, of course, I've listened to them all, Trek Ranks, greatest podcast ever, <laughs> is you you actually said uh, Star Trek's two, three, and four are a trilogy, and no one right. ever thinks of them as a trilogy. Right. And I remember that I, I think I was out walking or something, rather, and I went, you know what? He's he's bloody right. It is. It's a trilogy, <laughs> and that had never really occurred to me. Um, and now you are making me want to change my next pick because the whales come back to Earth. Star Trek Four. Let's go. Let's go. Two, three, four. Straight. No, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. But uh, you know what? A what? What brilliant picks these are. The um. Or the you know the the films are are amazing. These picks are amazing. I, I'm 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 loving it. All right, spectacular. I love that breakdown. And yeah, you know, I think people think of it as a trilogy now, but. The, my main point was that at the time, nobody thought of it. It took like, it wasn't until 20 years after where people were like, oh, you know, that's was, that was a trilogy. It's kind of a, a weird uh, phenomenon and part of kind of how we look at media today. Uh, Jamie, let's do it then. What's your number one pick? Okay, so my number one pick uh, is just bog standard in-universe uh, character comeback. My five words, enigmatic Elam's extended exile ends. Hashtag what's left of it. And it is Garrick's comeback to Cardassia at the end of DS9 in the finale, What You Leave Behind. Wow. A, a comeback that is uh, literally seven years and seven seasons in the making because Garrick appeared in the teaser of the very second episode as the you know famous Tinker Taylor soldier spy in exile created by you know, the genius Peter Allen Fields and his arc finishes in, you know, kind of like, you know, the, the very last episode uh, and he gets to make the comeback to his homeland. And it's, it's a pretty special journey, I think, through the whole, through the whole of DS9. It's the ups and the downs, the, 
you know, the lies, the all the moral ambiguity, and you know, there's character growth there as well. All of his subtext and lunches with with Julian, and you know, there's a reason why he's now one of the the whole franchise's most popular characters. And you know, I think originally during DS9's run, it was Ducat who got all the attention, but modern audiences resonate with Garrick, and I think that's for for good reason. So his his comeback is pretty bittersweet. Um, as kind of befits Garrick, uh, you know, he finds himself in a Cardassia that's a shadow of his former self. And there's a, a that great scene at the end of the episode with him and Julian as he kind of ruminates about this. And, you know, I love this because we know from history there have been plenty of civilizations with thriving art and culture and science and knowledge and societal structures and all that kind of stuff, yet they fall and destroy themselves through, you know, greed and misrule and war and the sunk cost fallacy that comes with war and there's no reason to think that we today are going to be beyond that either and i think this is why science fiction and star trek stays relevant through the years well aren't you going to congratulate me doctor my exile is now officially over i've returned home or rather to what's left of it listen i know that this must seem you know some may say that we've gotten just what we deserved after all we're not entirely innocent are we and I'm not just speaking of the Bajoran occupation. No, our whole history is one of arrogant aggression. We've collaborated with the Dominion, betrayed the entire Alpha Quadrant. Oh, oh no, no, there's no doubt about it. We're guilty as charged. Even I both know that the Cardassians are a strong people. They'll survive. Cardassia will survive. Oh, please, Doctor. Spare me your insufferable Federation optimism. Of course it'll survive. But not as the Cardassia I knew. We had a rich and ancient culture. Our literature, music, art was second to none. Now, so much of it is lost. So many of our best people our most gifted minds. I'm sorry, Eric. I didn't mean that. Oh, it's... It's quite all right, Doctor. You've been such a good friend. I'm going to miss our lunches together. I'm sure we'll see each other again. I'd like to think so. But one can never say. We live in uncertain times. I don't know if you noticed this, but he puts his hand on Bashir's shoulder as he says this line, which mirrors, he does the exact same thing in past prologue, because I rewatched that watching this as well. And he puts his hand on, on his shoulder in exactly the same kind of half creepy way and says, we live in uncertain times. So uh, mm. uh, at any rate, wow. it's quite an epic comeback from the man sitting in the replomat drinking his Tarkalian tea in episode two. So that's my number one pick for a oh, comeback. It's a genius, genius pick. I did not think of Garrett, but absolute i love it as a character coming back to to cardassia what an end of an incredible story arc which is picked up in the my favorite star trek novel stitch in time as well which is uh brilliant to tell kind of more of the reconstruction of cardassia i love this pick brilliantly broken down one of trek's all-time great characters the great andrew robinson as garrick uh melanie what's your take on this 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 one so clever yeah, this is an inspired pick. 
I, I didn't think of it at all. I mean, what a phenomenal actor and character and story arc throughout the series. And the finale of Deep Space Nine is my favorite Trek finale. Mm-hmm. Super emotional, very well done. And I love this pick. I love it too. We we need to do top five finales at some point. That'll be, <laughs> that'll be good. I haven't done that. I need to think about what my favorite would be. Okay. Let's go to number one here. This is crazy, Jamie. You uh, you just pegged it a second ago. A little bit of a of a tweak for me. Five words and a hashtag. Art imitates epic ocean life. Hashtag the most <laughs> important comeback. And it's not just Star Trek for the voyage home and George and Gracie and the epic comeback of of the whales to the twenty uh, third century, but honestly. It's about the actual comeback of humpback whales from extinction. Basically, 500 humpback whales were estimated to be in the world in the mid-80s, down from about 50,000 in the 1950s. And I honestly, truly believe that Star Trek IV helped repopulate the humpback whale population. This is something that's very close to my heart. I'm a big animal activist. I, I love animal conservation and I love humpback whales. I've had the great experience to see them many times up close in, in Hawaii and, and in uh, different places. And I mean, really up close in the wild, you know, unexpectedly breaching, you know, 50 feet from me. It's just it, incredible, incredible thing. I love these creatures. I love organizations like Greenpeace for helping them come back. So literally there were in the 1950s, they were estimated the population was about 50,000. It was less than 500 in 1986, the year this movie came out. And now we're basically back to uh, to the 50,000 number uh, once commercial whaling was banned in, in 1986. Do whales attack people, like in Moby Dick? No. No, most whales don't even have teeth. They have a soft gum-like tissue that strains vast amounts of tiny shrimp for food. And that is the limit of their hostility. Unfortunately, their principal enemy is far, far more aggressive. You mean man? To put it mildly. Since the dawn of time, men have harvested whales for a variety of purposes, most of which can be achieved synthetically at this point. One hundred years ago, using hand-thrown harpoons, man did plenty of damage. But that is nothing compared to what he has achieved in this century. This is mankind's legacy. Whales hunted to the brink of extinction. Virtually gone is the blue whale, the largest creature ever to inhabit the earth. Despite all attempts at banning whaling, there are still countries and pirates currently engaged in the slaughter of these inoffensive creatures. Where the humpback whale once numbered in the hundreds of thousands, today there are less than 10,000 specimens alive, and those that are taken in are no longer fully grown. In addition, many of the female whales are killed while still bearing unborn calves. To hunt a species to extinction is not logical. Whoever said the human race was logical. Really, really important to me. I love George and Gracie. The Voyage Home is, you know, my favorite Star Trek film of all time. It's probably my favorite piece of Star Trek of of all time. And I just, uh, it's a real, real beautiful case of art imitating life here. So thank you, Leonard Nimoy and Nicholas Meyer and everybody that, that put this amazing uh, movie together. So, Melody, what's your take on on this one? I am loving this pick. 
I mean, Nimoy had so much heart and you can tell about yep. this, this type of, first of all, the movie's just so amazing, <laughs> but humpback whales, what a great choice. And yes, it, it has such an important message. And the fact that this did help in that area is just so awesome. I, I love George and Gracie. I love the movie and I love this pick. Jamie, how about you? Thank you, Jillian Taylor. We love you. We know you're a big Aww. part of this too. Uh, Jamie, what's your take? <laughs> Man, that is, this is so good that we can actually do what I'd said. We're I know. Getting, we, two, we've three, got two, four. three, four. This yep. is so cool. <laughs> so um, good. And, you know, what a beautiful uh, thing for you to outline um, something that is important to you and, and, you know, should be important to everyone, which is the ecology of the planet we live on. Uh, and how wonderful that Star Trek, may, you know, had an impact on that in any small way, but the, there are very few pieces of art that can actually make massive changes in, in, um, in society directly. And we we're lucky to be fans of a franchise that can actually have that kind of cultural impact. Uh, what a, what a great pick. And of course, you know, I mean, I was joking about it before, but you know, it's a pretty epic comeback <laughs> of the whales to a planet that that needs them desperately mm -hmm. to stable it really is, uh, yeah. annihilation, Definitely. right? So, I mean, it's it, it's perfect. Deserving number one pick. Yeah, it's perfect in universe and uh, non universe, uh, and and just to reinforce, less than five hundred in in the world was estimated in nineteen eighty six, the year this movie came out. So you can't tell me it's wow didn't help. So. Okay, let's get into some secondary systems picks. I got a few I want to rattle off that I love and really wanted to include. I can't believe I couldn't. Uh, uh, Melanie, what's on your secondary systems list? Let's see what you can do with the secondary systems. Okay, well, big surprise here. I have quite a few. Okay, rattle them off. <laughs> All right, first one. Yesterday's Enterprise, Tasha Yar. Okay. I just want to say that the scene That's with her... Awesome. Her, this was my toughest cut. Yep. Um, it was between this and relics. Her scene with requesting the transfer to the Enterprise C is one of my all-time favorite scenes of the franchise and the best acted scene she ever did. Amazing. Okay, Love here it. we go. Melanie, it gets it gets rolled into it gets rolled into Sela. You know that. Yeah, that, that's true. Yes. It's yes. the same. She has so many comebacks for Denise Crosby. I love it. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. That was awesome too. Okay, we have Worf joining Deep Space Nine, The Way of the Warrior. Yep. Spock, Unification, one and two. Oh, that's a good one. The Borg Queen, Endgame. Yep, Bo Dark Frontier yeah. and the Borg Queen's a really yep. good one. And, and Endgame. And yep. Dark Frontier. Naomi and Ichib as adults in Shattered. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I like that. That's a good deep cut. Seven of Nine, Returning in Picard. Yep, that's for sure. Right. Riker and Troy, Nepenthe. Moriarty, Ship in a Bottle. Yep. Tom Riker, Defiant. I had to Ooh, shout yeah. out Amelia Earhart coming back in the 37. <laughs> oh, that's a really good one. That's a really good comeback. Yep. And if I had done redemption arcs, the ones that popped into my brain were Degra, Lawn Suter, and Merrick from Bread and Circuses. All right. Those are all good. Merrick, oh, that guy. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Jamie, how about you? Okay, I, I've I've got a couple for each of my uh, crazy uh, prime directives. So, in universe comeback, um, Voyager returning to Earth. Okay, uh, I think yep. that's a comeback, right? Yep. Riker's return at the end of Et in Arcadia Ego. Uh, his return into the into into service to you know kick some Romulan butt. Also, from what we left behind, Odo's return to the Great Link. 
I think is a comeback as well for a character who was always that's a good one to yep. return to his people. Yep. In universe character returning who we thought was missing or dead. Uh, Esri Dax returning after the death mm-hmm. of Jadzia. I think yep. that was pretty epic. I know um, I I love both Daxes. Um, how about maybe this is this is dangerous. Um, please scrub my twitter handle from this episode the return of neelix and tuvok uh in the episode uh, tuvix is that a, okay. is that a, an epic comeback sure yeah yeah sure let's take that one and my, my toughest cut was the return of morn at the end of who mourns for morn oh uh, yeah was, that's uh, a good one yeah yeah actually okay, uh, come back i was gonna say the most epic comeback will be when tuvix comes back but yeah keep going <laughs> Uh, the comeback of a story element would be the use of the Organians in Observer Effect on okay. Enterprise and also the return of the kind of Klingon forehead issue in Enterprise. I think as a plot device return, that was such an amazing comeback to use that <laughs> in a clever way within the series. I thought that was awesome. Um, the Picard flute in Lessons is a comeback of a, mm-hmm. of a plot, plot device there and it's kind of use in the Picard theme as well. Uh, almost there. Comeback of a beloved actor, Brock Peters, returning to Star Trek as as, uh, as Cisco's father. I think that was pretty epic um, from Star Trek Six. Yeah. Uh, Ken Mitchell as Aurelio returning. I think that is an amazing comeback for him, given that everything that's gone on with his, oh, his diagnosis. That's, a, that's I, an awesome pick. Yeah. I don't think you can get much more epic than 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 that return. Uh, and of course, the return of Captain Pike to uh, Trek in Discovery season two was pretty epic, uh, which so leads me to my real world franchise comeback, which is, you know, it's it's in anticipation, but strange new worlds, the return of episodic live Trek. That is going to be a comeback for something very specific, and I cannot wait for it. Oh, I love that. Great preview. Okay. A few more for me. My toughest cut was Seska. I'm so glad you picked picked that, Melanie. I also had Lee Nollis uh, coming back to Bajor. I didn't pick him because we hadn't seen him. We hadn't seen him before. So it was more of an introduction as much. And then I, I thought this one was going to get picked. I really did. Is Wayun coming back after dying? Oh. <gasps> And then yeah. all of a sudden, it's like, no, Jeffrey Combs is too good as this guy. Let's, they're clones. Yeah, they're clones. That's it. Okay. We're going to, we'll keep that for the episode uh, <laughs> top epic comebacks. Yeah, uh, right. When you, when you do it multiple, when you do it multiple times, it's have, a different you, show. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because he did it four or five times. I also had, I uh, just wanted to highlight the Mirror Universe when it came back in crossover, because that was, uh, that was a pretty big epic moment when that, uh, we saw that for the first time after. Uh, yeah. 30, 30 years and then my special shout out i really was i wanted to pick this but it, it ended up being defined more as a return for me because in my picks i wanted to have something that was kind of knocked off its pedestal and then coming back and this one that wasn't the case it was i even did my five words in a hashtag and then i pulled it out her serene highness of epic hashtag the original discovery queen it's her serene highness mihani ikahali kapo from zahia mm. in such sweet sorrow because i really really enjoyed that story element when uh, the queen of zahia came back uh to discovery and showed up and helped play from the short show. tracks right yeah, yeah played a big part from uh in the finale there after just being a little part of that short trek with uh with tilly Okay, interesting topic. I, I I'm 
so impressed that we only had one duplicate. So many ways to look at this. Fantastic. Let's get into our regeneration cycle and we'll go through some stats and a recap of our picks. Computer, activate regeneration cycle. Alcoves beta and gamma. Okay, Melanie, recap your picks. Okay. Number five was Seska from Voyager, worst case scenario. Number four, Scotty from TNG Relics. Number three, Kang, Kor, and Koloth from DS9, Blood Oath. Number two, Khan from The Wrath of Khan. And number one, Spock from The Search for Spock. Brilliant. So you had two from TOS, one from Voyager, D Space Nine, and TNG. Fantastic. Jamie, how about you? Okay, so number five, the Packleds return from Lower Decks, season one, no small parts. Number four, Star Trek, the motion picture itself. Number three, Sela, Denise Crosby returning to <laughs> Trek from TNG season four, Redemption part one. Number two pick was Kodos, the executioner, returning after 20 years of presumed death. He was never dead. Uh, TOS season one, the conscience <laughs> of the king. And my number one pick is the return, the comeback to Cardassia of Garrick after seven seasons on DS9 in the season fin- in, in the series finale. Seriously. What you leave behind. I love it. So you, had, you also had two from TOS and then one each from TNG, Deep Space Nine, and Lower Decks. And I was going to say you had eight hours of Trek because you had two two-parters and a movie picked. But you also had short track, so that was that's only twenty four minutes. So, man, <laughs> so Mike McMahon is going to kill the trick ranks. Uh, you know, I know. you love to say how many hours of trick people going to change, gonna change the number. Lower decks is lower decks <laughs> is two hours of trek in twenty five minutes. You're going to have to change change it up. <laughs> that's exactly right. Okay, so my recap: I had from Deep Space Nine, Martok in in Purgatory's shadow. Number four from TNG's The Game, Data's epic comeback at the end of that episode. My round three pick, In a Mirror Darkly from Enterprise. It was the USS Defiant, the original Defiant. My number two epic comeback from Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock from TOS. It's Spock. And my number one from Star Trek Four: TOS, the epic real-life return of Humpback Whales to our beautiful planet earth so i had two from tos as well we all had two from tos that's cool one from enterprise one from tng and one from deep space nine okay so i could not keep too many stats here i did like your tos element comebacks we had eight of them eight tos elements that uh, were coming back we had one duplicate, and our series breakdown was nothing from Discovery, Picard, Short Treks, or the Kelvin Timeline. We had one each from Lower Decks, Voyager, and Enterprise. Three each from TNG and Deep Space Nine. And TOS, incredibly, led the way with six overall picks, two for each of us. And the films, there were four different films, uh, four, four total films picked. That's our statistical breakdown once again. We have been hit by a temporal distortion, so before we can depart, it's time to hear from you. The temporal distortions are fracturing space-time throughout the ship. Cause? Unknown. We know the cause, Mr. Tuvok. It's all the amazing feedback that we continue to receive from our listeners here at Trek Race. And this week's temporal distortion has sent us back to episode 108 in our top five crusher episodes. And that topic, of course, was designed as a bit of a cheat so that we could do, you could pick any crusher to your list. So... 
That could be the Wesley game, or, or Beverly or the game. It could be anything. The game. So we got a great list in from the amazing Rick Everson, who is at Trek Fan Rick on Twitter. And of course, he cheated. I love it. He sent in two lists, one for Wesley, one for Beverly. Complete five words and a hashtag. So here they are really quick. His Wesley list. Wesley has ear for tunes. Hashtag misses the Bradbury. Menasha Troy Wesley misses his trip to the Academy. Uh, that I actually picked that one. I love that when he when he figures out the 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 message hidden inside the uh, the rhythms or I can't remember what they're called, but in Menasha Troy number four, Wesley invents anti Borg phaser chip. Hashtag remodulate. Wesley suggests a chip to auto modulate phaser frequencies in the best of both worlds. That is an awesome pick. Number three, leadership tests get Wesley results. Hashtag icospectrograms. Wesley leads. The science team in pen pals, another awesome pick. Number two, only one to suspect lore. Hashtag Wesley was right all along from data lore. Everyone should have just listened to Wesley. Number one, departing West figures out fountain. Hashtag fun in the desert from final mission. I love that Wesley list. That uh, makes you love Wesley. How good, is, how good is Wesley Crusher? Come I mean, on. with those five picks, it's hard to argue. He's not awesome. Beverly, his Beverly list. I I picked a bunch of these too. Dedicated doctor risks own safety. Hashtag. I wouldn't want to greet her. It's the high ground, and I love that pick because I wouldn't want to greet her in the transporter room either after beaming her up <laughs> against her will. Number four knows how to stop Borg. Hashtag mosquitoes view. Who figures out how to get the Borg to drop out of warp? And best of both worlds, it's Beverly Crusher when she suggests the mosquito attack number three obvious choice of bubbled beverly hashtag something wrong with the universe bubbled beverly that's brilliant remember me of course is uh the pick number two borg busting bev is back hashtag give that woman her own ship it's descent part two he could go on for hours about how good she is in command i love it and number one, Bev shoots hole in man. <laughs> Hashtag <laughs> also solves a murder mystery. It is Beverly in suspicions. Two awesome lists from our buddy Rick, who we really need to get back on Trek ranks at some point. Okay. These, those picks definitely good enough to clear ourselves from this week's temporal distortion. So as always, I want to thank everyone for all your great responses to the Trek ranks podcast. Please keep your list coming to me at Trek ranks on Twitter so we can retweet them. But we also want to hear from you. So put together your own list of top five epic comebacks or a list from any of our past shows and give us a call at the Tricorder Transmissions at 609-512-5527. Or you can just record it and send me a DM and uh, do it that way. It's probably a lot easier. So hopefully we'll hear from you so you can be featured on the next episode of Trek Ranks. And on the next episode of Trek Ranks... We are being audited by the FCA, the Ferengi Commerce Authority, and they're forcing us to finally do a standalone Ferengi episode. So we're doing the top five Ferengi episodes. It's our fifth in our series of episodes on specific Star Trek aliens. So Melanie and Jamie, if you had to choose one Ferengi episode off the top of your head right now, what would it be, Melanie? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Off the top of my head, I'll pick Acquisition. Okay, an Enterprise Deep Cut Acquisition, which I kind of grow to love more and more every day. I love I love what they did there. Uh, Jamie, how about you? Jeez, <laughs> how do you 
you know, who's your favorite child? I mean, these right. are the questions <laughs> that you these are the questions that you you pose to us here on Track Ranks, oh, Jim. Boy. Um, you know what? I'm gonna go for one of the more serious of the crazy Ferengi episodes. Can I pick business as usual? Okay, uh, interesting. I, I reckon that's a that's a great quark episode, right? It is a fantastic quark episode, fantastic Ferengi episode, definitely in the running for me. I I love those two picks, two deep cuts. All right, good job, panel. All right, so before we wrap it up, a huge thanks to Jamie McGregor and Melanie. It's great to have you guys on. I was wondering if you could show me how to access these subspace communications logs. And we're going to do that right now, Neelix. So any final Trek subspace communications you guys want to relay before we depart? Melanie, thanks for coming back. Thanks. I just want to say thank you so much for having me back on. And it was really fun to talk about this topic with you guys. Yeah, so much fun. Everybody check out the First Flight Pod on Twitter and on the Tricorder Transmissions, the Enterprise Rewatch podcast from Melanie and Abby Summer. Fantastic. (laughs) Thank you. All right. And Jamie, thanks for uh, waking up early in the future. No worries. (laughs) Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Melanie. Fantastic chatting to you about uh, our favorite topic. So how good? Appreciate it and look forward to next time. So, so good. All right. And I want to thank everyone for engaging with us again here on episode 117 of the Trek Ranks podcast. As always, I want to close by saying I'm looking forward to standing with you again here in this place where I belong. Admiral, there'll be whales here. Well done, Mr. Scott. How soon can we be ready for warp speed? Just want to remind everyone again that the entire Trek Ranks catalog is available for you to download and listen to at trekranks.com and on your podcast player of choice. Our episodes never get carbon data, so check out the topics you've missed and maybe just want to listen to again over at trekranks.com. And a reminder to check out our friends Five Year Mission at fiveyearmission.net. They're writing a song for every episode of Star Trek, and you won't believe how great their music is. They also have a podcast at the Trek Geeks Network, so seek them out. You won't regret it. Center program. The android at the bar said you could show me my old ship. Let me see it. Insufficient data. Please specify parameters. The Enterprise. Show me the bridge of the Enterprise, you chattering piece of... There have been five Federation ships with that name. Please specify by registry number. NCC one seven oh one no bloody a b c or d program complete enter when ready